just so that uh, you can all see this, just simply says, free gift, what's your best guess? Yeah, they're chocolates, very good. There's a, for those of you who are watching by, or listening by podcast or listening on our website today, I'm just holding up a, a bowl full of chocolates. How many chocolates do you think are in the bowl? So have a think about that whilst the message is going on. So this is a free gift, okay? Free gift, if you guess the right amount of chocolates. Okay? Okay, ready? I'm going to read the word, and then we'll get into this. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 18 says this. Jesus asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Some say John the Baptist or Elijah, or others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets, they said. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock, I'll build my church, and all the powers of hell won't conquer it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the liberation of your word. I thank you for the empowering sense of destiny that we have in our lives and for the purpose that you've created us for. I pray, Father, that as I speak this morning, that the hearers, the listeners, would have you apply this word into their hearts and that there would be a change in our lives. You'd bring transformation to our thinking, transformation to our understanding, transformation to our very walks. And Father, we just commit this word to you in the wonderful name of Jesus this morning. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Jesus asks these two questions. You know, on, on face value, they are very simple questions. They are probing in nature, and I believe that they are wide in scope. Who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? See, people have pondered these questions for ages past. Different people have different responses to these questions. Different religions have different responses to these questions. Different cultures, different governments, different countries also have different answers to those questions too. So have we ever stopped to think about why did Jesus ask these questions in the first place? Why would Jesus want to know who people thought that he was? Bless you. Was Jesus seeking encouragement in his ministry? Was he puffing himself up to see if people were recognizing him? Was Jesus insecure in who he was and he was looking for people's affirmation in what he was doing? I want to say right from the start, I don't believe any of those are the case. I I don't believe that, that that's what he sought from asking those questions, not for an instant. I believe that Jesus asked these two questions for another purpose. He says, who do people say that I am? See, that question is birthed out of speculation. People in the community are they're, they're, they're speculating. They're, they're taking their best guess at who this Jesus is. 
The second question he asks is, who do you say that I am? And that's birthed out of seeing if people have a revelation about who he is. They know that they know that they know that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God. It's birthed out of revelation. See, one of the roles of leadership is the formulation of vision, the way ahead, the direction that you need to take in life. It also incorporates casting and resourcing the vision. It includes celebrating and living the vision. A vital part of that whole process is actually the evaluation of the vision as well. That if you're going this particular way, you need to know that you're actually hitting some markers along the way. You're getting some key performance indicators along the way that this is what you're actually doing. You're actually starting to to see the vision fulfilled in whatever it is that you're doing. So is it possible then that Jesus has asked these questions? Who do people say that I am? And who do you say that I am? That he's asking this to evaluate his message. He was asking the community who saw him and the core that saw him. And he's wanting to evaluate whether the people are getting this. So I want to look at these two things, the community as in people, and I want to look at this from the core, the people that were walking with him. The community or the worldview, Jesus has asked them, who do people say that I am? His disciples said, well, some people say that you're John the Baptist. Some say that you're Elijah. Others actually said that you might be Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. The community is actually speculating about who Jesus is. He does some good things, they say. He has some good ideas. His philosophy is radically different from what we've been used to. His claims are actually backed by a power that could only be God. His message is, is it getting through on a global scale with the people that he's ministered to, that he's healed and set free, the the ones that he's released from captivity and raised from the dead? It's it's started to. His message has started to get through. Jesus is starting, his message is starting to have an effect. People are recognizing that he's a holy man. He's some sort of prophet, possibly even a man of God. Jesus is possibly evaluating his message, his ministry. We can see in the Bible that there have been other instances where people have speculated about different things and where they've had a revelation about different things. In Numbers chapter 13, Moses, he's wanting to spy out the, uh, the land of Canaan, the promised land. So he sends out 12 spies. Ten come back speculating that this is going to be too hard. It's just not going to work. But two come back with a revelation about who God is and that they can take the land. See, just as we believe that the community needs a revelation of Jesus, so too does the church need a revelation of the community in which we live. We need to understand things about our community. We can't continue to speculate about the community in which we live in. We need some facts, some figures to identify what 
our community is made up, how it's made up. What's the demographic of the community in which we live in? Here's some facts about community. I'm going to talk about the United States, Great Britain, and the good old Australia that we live in. The United States, this is currently how it sits, okay? The American Religious Identification Survey released in 2009 caused a massive stir in North America when it revealed that in a quarter of a century since 1990, the number of Christians fell from 86% of the population down to 76% of the population. So it's just dropped 10% in 25 years. Of that 76% who call themselves Christians, only 36%, under half, actually regularly attend a church. Regularly attend a church, by the way, is once every month. These are facts gained by survey, recent surveys. According to the Barna Research Group, only 35% of adult Christians in America believe they have a responsibility to share their faith with others. And like I've said before, Barna's research also revealed that 9 out of 10 American Christians will never lead another person to Christ before they die. 9 out of 10 will never lead another person to Christ in their life. Sobering. Great Britain. In the British Social Attitudes Survey done in 2014, it reveals that just 41.7% of Britons claim any type of Christian affiliation compared with 96% of the population in 1963. Again, sobering. Australia is no different. A Gallup poll conducted in 1949 revealed 95% of Australians believed in God. Yet today that number is just over 60% of people of our population that now believe in God. That number is actually closer to 40% when we remove those who believe in spirituality rather than Christianity. This may, you know, surprise us this morning, but Australia on New Year's Day in 2017 hasn't thought to itself, what shall I do today? I know, I'll go to church. That is not what Australians in the majority are thinking. I've shared already about a recent survey and research that was done by Mark McCrindle showing that in the, a list of preferred community buildings and facilities, Australians wanted more parklands with walking tracks at the very top of their list. That was number one. Third on their list was more local community care centres. Tenth on that list was more leash-free dog parks. Thirteenth on that list was the listing of more local church buildings. At least we made the list. <laughs> and like I said before, so what we're going to do now is that bottom area of the community garden, we're just going to dig that out. We're going to have a, a, a leash-free dog park down the bottom of the, uh, the church property right now. So we're just going to connect with it. No, we're not. All right? Just, I, I did, just messing with your heads. All right? 
We're not going to do that. Okay. Just checking. Just checking. See, the community we live in today has changed significantly from days gone past. And, you know, I love people that say, you know, oh, I want for the old days of revival. The community doesn't want the revival. It's not even look at, it doesn't even know that, there is, that you can have one. Change, community has changed. It's, it's different from days gone past. But the church has been slow to adjust and modify the way that we do things by comparison. We've not kept up with what the community is doing. Let me, let me say, we're never going to change our message. But the methods that we use to reach our community must change. They've got to change if we are to see any sort of influence within our community. So here's a, here's a sobering thing, okay? If we asked our community, if we went out today and spoke to people in our community, and we said this to them, can you tell me about Infused Church? What would they say? <laughs> what? Who? Where? Didn't know you were one. They may speculate about what we do. They might speculate about what we believe. They might speculate about who we are or why we're here. Here's another sobering thought. If Infused Church closed its doors tomorrow, I hope it doesn't. We're not planning to. Would anyone in the community even notice or miss us? Would there be an outcry from the community about the services we provide and the needs that we meet being stopped? Some of us might ask this morning, well, I'm not even sure what Infused Church does in the community and what services it does provide or what needs it does meet. That's a fair statement. See, the thing is, Infused Church, it isn't this building. It's this people. It's this people. So the services and the needs that we meet aren't met by a building, but by a gathering of people. You're with me? You're all looking very serious. But this, there's a serious part to this. There's, there's a sobering thought that we need to, to start to consider and ponder. See, Matthew 16, verses 17 to 18, Jesus replied to, to Peter when he said that you are the Son of God, the Messiah, the, the, you know, uh, that you are the Christ, the anointed one. He said, Jesus says this, You're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell cannot conquer it. See, this is the first time in the Bible that the word church is recorded. Okay? But we've lost the understanding of what church is. We think it's a building, and it's not. This, this word where we get church is actually the, the Greek word ecclesia. Okay? It, it actually is, uh, uh, gives us an understanding of what Jesus really meant when he, wanted, when he used this word church, this word ecclesia. He, he gives us... Uh, uh, a picture of what he, he sees as the church. See, ecclesia means, at its very root level, a gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. That's what the word ecclesia means. 
So Jesus wasn't describing his church as a building. He was describing it as a gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. To me, I feel that that is a, an exciting and liberating thing. A building has restrictions and it is lifeless. Okay? But a gathering of people has unlimited potential and is full of life. For this community to realize the value and the worth of the church means that the church, this gathering of people, must be in the community valuing it first, partnering with it by meeting needs, providing services, serving in organizations and businesses, schools and shops, investing in the very community itself with our lives. See, I've heard it many times, you know, where, and, and this is, churches have done this and they've shared openly that they did it wrong. They've gone out into the community recognizing that some ministry or organization is doing a specific role and they come alongside of them and say, we'd love to join you, we'll show you how to do it really better. It's not how you do it. What we should do is, as people, is come alongside of, see those things that are out there. If we have a certain heart in a particular area, is go and see them. Look, I, I so value, I, I thank you for what you're doing. You're doing an amazing job. How can I help you? I just have a heart to be a part of this. What, is there some way I can serve you? Is there some way that I can uh, be a part of what you're doing? I just want to be a part of the, the success that you're starting to build. And that values what's already there. It strengthens what's already there. It partners together with what's already there. And we see influence come as a result. See, our specific purpose is to move people in our communities from speculation about God and His kingdom to a revelation of Him by giving them a personal encounter with God and His love for them. This year we're going to be talking a lot about that. This year we're going to be talking a lot about that. Jesus moves on to a personal view, a personal statement to his disciples. Jesus says to them, who do you say that I am? What personal revelation do you have of who I am? And Peter's revelation is just amazing. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Have we ever asked ourselves why Peter responded differently? Have we, you know, what did he see that others couldn't or didn't or refused to see? Was it that Peter was closer to Jesus and he saw something different? See, people were close to Jesus, just like Peter, but they didn't see what they saw or he saw or they didn't hear, didn't say even what, what Peter had said. Peter, people heard Jesus just like Peter, but they didn't understand what he said. People saw Jesus just like Peter, but... They saw someone different. See, Peter's response was different. What was the difference? And I believe it may have been partnership, not proximity. Partnership, not proximity, actually makes a difference. See, Peter partnered with Jesus. He devoted himself to following and being a disciple of Jesus. Jesus' personal message the very mission of his life was taking shape in the lives of those who were in partnership, in intimacy with him. Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. The very mission and message of Jesus is the salvation of mankind. 
in identifying who Jesus was, we see his purpose is revealed. You are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. John three sixteen and 17 says, For God so loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son that whoever b- believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. What is our response to the personal question about who Jesus is? Is Jesus a great man of God, a prophet, or is he Lord in our lives? Does our Christian walk actually reflect who Jesus is? Is he the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God? If he is, then would people recognize him in our life? Would people point to us and say, there goes a Christian, I recognize that. There's something different about that guy, that woman, that person. There goes a follower of Christ. What impact is our life having in our community? How are we adding value to our community? How are we serving our community? What needs are we meeting? See, people say, what is it that Infused Church does in the community? My question would be, what are we doing? What are you doing in the community? See, from the revelation of who Jesus is in our life will flow our purpose in life. And trust me, we all have a specific purpose. In fact, Jesus will build his church, not a building, but people. He will build his church through that specific purpose that he gives to us. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. So what is the specific purpose? I'm glad you've asked. I'm glad you've asked. See, I asked a question. These chocolates here. It's a free gift. If you can guess how many chocolates are in the bowl. So what do you reckon? How many chocolates are in the bowl? 55, good close. But no bananas, no chocolate. 71, no. 58, 45, no. 53, 31, 35, how many? 48, no. Okay. My question is this. (laughs) My question is this. My question is this. If these chocolates are a free gift, then you shouldn't have to guess. You shouldn't have to guess. They should just be a free gift. Why am I expecting you to speculate about a free gift? Why am I expecting the community to come to me asking me about this free gift? I should be telling you that there are 81 chocolates in that bowl and there you can have, you can have them. If you want a chocolate or anything like that, after the service, come and grab one there. They are a free gift. But isn't that the mentality that we have? Isn't that the the attitude that we have that we've got this wonderful free gift, but I'm expecting you to come to me and ask me all about it. This free gift should not be a secret. 81. 
There are 81 chocolates in this bowl. And by the end of today, I expect there to be none. <laughs> in providing access to the gift, all I need to do is to bring a revelation so that the speculation ends. My specific purpose is to be a witness. My specific purpose is to tell people, not ask them questions. Now, we can ask questions in, in when we're talking to people, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I shouldn't expect people to come to me trying to guess how they need to get salvation, the free gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ offers. A lot of you are thinking now. A lot of you are thinking now. I can tell. Because you've gone really quiet still. And you were quiet before. See, Acts chapter 1 says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be given my power, and you are to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Because here's the deal when it comes to, you know, who do people say that I am? People will see who Jesus is through the example and the model of our lives. You are in the best place possible to shine for Jesus. I, I, when I, I'm talking about being in the community, doing what it is that we do. You're the best school teacher. You're the best mechanic. You're the best seamstress. You're the best shop, uh, shop assistant, sales assistant. You're the best person who, 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 who does stuff in our community, who serves our community. You're the best, con best control person in our community. You're the best student in our community. You're the best uh, mining engineer. You're the best triage person. You just need to shine where you are. You're the best placed person to influence your workplace, your school, your family for Jesus. The most powerful way to influence our community is to love it and serve it. To partner together with it and as we build our communities together, we're going to see everybody flourish. And as we do that, as we love and we serve our community in whatever capacity that we find ourselves walking in, that's what Jesus did. He just walked through his day and he shone for God. Whoever he talked to, whoever he bumped into, if it was the woman by the well, he shined for God. He he comes across a funeral procession and he shines for God the Father by raising someone from the dead. It's simply being aware of opportunities, being thankful. When was the last time you ever went into your boss's office and said, man, I'm so glad I work for this company and I really appreciate your leadership. Thank you. And walked straight back out. He's probably going to think you're on drugs, but maybe not. When was the last time, if we're an employer, that we said to our employees, I really value what you do for this company and the way that you make it so easy for me as your supervisor to do what I do because you are so good at what you do. 
thank you. When was the last time we appreciated our parents, our children in that way? Jesus' greatest influence came through loving and serving people he met each day and he calls us to do the same. Colossians chapter 3 verse 23 says this, Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you're doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. See, you thought you were working for the company that you're a part of. You're not, you're working for Jesus. You're working for God. Whatever endeavor it is that we are part of, that's who we're working for. See, our purpose in life is to be the best you that you can be and to use your life as a witness of our amazing God and his love for everyone. See, I want us to say this together, okay? I'm going to say this statement out first so you know what we're going to say and then we're going to say it together. Is that okay? We're going to say, we are a gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. Ready? We are a gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. You are not a building. We are not a building. This church, this gathering of people is the vessel God is using to bring and demonstrate and release the message of salvation and hope to the world around about us. This church, this gathering of people has been empowered to influence and serve and value our communities in such a way that they see Jesus in who we are and what we do. We should not go into the community with an ulterior motive of saying, I'm going to do this for as long as it takes, uh, sorry, uh, so long as people accept my message. We need to do this for as long as it takes. That we're going to be there. Until Jesus says, okay, you need to change. See, one of the great challenges I have is that I operate in circles where I'm bumping into Christians all the time. I've spoken to Jane this, this past week. And I said, I need to do something about changing the circle of people that I hang around with. I need to get into the world of unbelievers, people who don't know Jesus. Number one, so that I can understand... The, the many relationships that we all have and experience. But number two, I want to give back into our community. I believe that God has got me here in this community to bring life and light. And I want to do that. And I can't do that sitting in my desk at church. So I'm deliberately identifying somewhere where I have a passion already. And I'm going to join a club. I'm going to join a, a team or something. Not just to see him say, but I want to be a part of something. I want to give back to my community that is giving to me on a constant basis. Are you okay? Is this making sense to anybody? See, before any of this can happen, the church, this gathering of people has got to stop being passive and speculative and start to operate and live out of the revelation of who Jesus is. 
He has got a specific purpose on my life and I've been called out into my community to reveal Jesus, to be a witness for him. So we're going to say something again together. You ready for this? What we're going to say is, I am the church, part of the gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. Ready? I am the church. Say it again. I am the church. Again, I am the church, part of a gathering of people called out for a specific purpose. I'm the church. I believe that we would see churches filled if more people see, saw themselves as the church. Here's, here's my, my, my take on this. I, I believe that we actually need a phenomenal Sunday to have a phenomenal Monday. I need to be around Christians on a Sunday at a particular service to have an incredible Monday. It's where I get fired up. It's where I get inspired. It's where I, 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 I'm able to, to, to see God speaking in and through me. It's where I get different ideas, start to spark and chain react around about what I do. So that when I start to hit my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, then I can start to see that God has placed me there for a specific purpose. And that's to be a witness. If Jesus is going to build his church, then we must stop thinking and acting like it's someone else's responsibility to engage and serve our community in the love and grace of Jesus. That was very forceful, wasn't it? Because being soft and, and fluffy ain't cutting it. People aren't hearing it. People aren't hearing it. The purpose and mission and message of our life is tied directly to Jesus. It is only out of the revelation of who Jesus is that our destiny and our future will flow. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 11 to 12 in the message translation says, It's in Christ we find out who we are. He says, and what we're living for. Why are we living? To be a witness. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living, part of the overall purpose he's working out in everything and everyone. He is willing that none should perish. I'm excited about this. Who does our community say that Jesus is? It's time to help them stop the speculation and bring them into a revelation of who he is by us going into the community, not trying to help them to guess this free gift, not trying to, to say to them, well, you know, you, you come, come to church and I'll show you all about what it, it's about. You know, I'll, uh, I'll just... Do that for you. It's the goodness of my heart. Let's just tell them. We have been positioned in our lives and in our communities to shine the light of God. So this year, in 2017, let's shine for Jesus. Let's just shine for Jesus. Come on. Let me, let's just switch the light on. You know, it's time that we... we took the 
the bowl off of the light and reveal Jesus in our community. So let's stop playing this, this children's game. You know the children's game where the, the guess thing, you know, like you flip up the, the things and you've got to guess where, the, guess who, whatever it is, child's game. You can tell who I hang around with. <laughs> We've got to stop this. And how do you do that? It's simply as you're sitting down and you see someone who's struggling, you just come on and say, are you okay? Are you all right? Can I get you anything? Is there something you would like a drink of water, a cup of tea, a cup of coffee? No, I'm just feeling a bit down. Oh, I've seen that. I just want to let you know I care. It's as simple as that. You don't have to be spooky. Well, thus saith the Lord. Thou shalt be spooky at times. <laughs> Let's shine for Jesus in 2017. Let's just get the word out. Let's stop the speculation and the guessing game from happening. Let's be real with our faith. Let's let our faith be real. Either we have a revelation of who Jesus is or we don't. If you don't, I, I encourage you. Make a, a determined commitment that this year you're going to discover exactly who Jesus is. You're going to go on a journey. But don't let that journey just be about you just going on this, this, this pilgrimage to find out who Jesus is. Take that discovery along the way. Yeah. Talk to your family and friends about it. I'm, I'm on this journey. I want to find out who Jesus I want to find out if Jesus is really real. That's, that's fine. It's a great prayer to pray. Just be careful when the answer shows up. <laughs> Let's stand. I'm done. I want to pray for some people today. <clears throat> I want to pray for some people today. You don't know who Jesus really is. You've, you've had glimpses. You've had a couple of guesses at it. But you're still in the dark. And I believe that God wants you to come into the light. I don't know everybody here. I know that we've got a number of visitors today. And I don't know where you are in so far as your relationship with Christ is. But if we've never invited Jesus into our heart, that's the greatest place you could start. By having him come and shine his light, his glory in our lives, in our lives, so that we have this revelation of who he is. This morning, if you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you've never asked him to come into your heart and to lead you and to guide you through life, but this morning you want to, you feel that you need to, then I want you to put your hand up right where you're standing because I want to pray for you. And see you come into the glorious light of God's grace. It is a free gift. You do not have to guess about this. All you need to do is simply understand this. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For it's by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. If you need Jesus today. 
then I believe that one of the things you've got to do is just believe in your heart that he died for you and he rose again. And that by simply asking him to come into your life, repenting of your sin, and determining to walk his way under his power, that you shall be born again. Is there anyone here this morning? For the first time, you just want Jesus. You want to invite him into your heart. Is there anyone here this morning? Just put your hand up nice and tall. Never done it before. I also want to pray for people that you want a revelation of Jesus. You want a revelation of Jesus. You want a revelation of who he really is. You've suspected, you've speculated, you've guessed, but this morning you want to know who he is really. If there's anyone here in that same way, I want you too to put your hand up. I want to pray for you this morning. Is anyone here this morning? Thank you. Anyone else? Heavenly Father, I thank you for people coming into a greater revelation of who you are. That revelation would revitalize people's lives in a powerful way. And out of that revelation, you would reveal their purpose in Jesus' name. Thank you for revealing who you are in Jesus' name. I also want to pray for people this morning. You're not sure about this specific purpose. You're not sure how to do that. You're not sure what you need to do, what you need to say. I want to pray for you this morning that you start to realize, have a revelation of your purpose, that you are to be a witness. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation, Corinthians tells us. He even tells us that today is the day of salvation in that ministry of reconciliation. You want to know what your specific purpose is. Is anyone here this morning, you just want clarity on your specific purpose? Put your hand up. Thank you. 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 Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to reveal your specific purpose for these wonderful people. I ask you that you show them, speak to them, demonstrate to them what it is that you're asking them to do. I pray for courage to come into their hearts. I pray for boldness to be upon their spirit and upon their mind, that they can walk in your eternal purpose for them, that they'll start to see people saved. They'll start to share the revelation that they have of you with the people around about, that they actually start to shine this year for you. And we take the blinkers and the blinders off and see people flourish in their God-given calling. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's just begin to lift him up. That was an excellent message, Pastor Gary. Let's just begin to declare this over our lives. Give us a bit of encouragement to uh, go out into the community. Water you turned into wine. Open the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. None like you. Into the darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. 
There's no one like you. None like you, our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God. Our God, yeah. 